You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. Today we're going to talk about crisis communications, which is very important for restaurants, particularly this year. And our guests are from a company called Poston Communications, Dave Poston and Megan Paquin. So just first explain to me, just you know, explain a little bit about what your company does and what kind of role you fulfill for restaurants. Yes, uh, thank you for having us today, by the way. We're, we're so appreciative of the chance to be here to speak with you and your readers and listeners. Uh, we definitely um, have been helping a lot of different restaurants and also those in the hospitality industry, as well as those who also counsel them on legal and financial and other issues um, throughout this COVID-19 crisis. Uh, we have extensive uh, backgrounds in the area as well, um, serving all different types of restaurants, um, whether they be franchise, uh, chain, you know, sort of individual restaurant themselves or little uh, individual restaurant groups. And I would say as well, um, hospitality uh, industry companies like hotels and whatnot that have restaurants uh, within their uh, facilities or part of their operations. So... Uh, this year, uh, you know, we've definitely uh, been called on very quickly by them to sort of help make it through the constant changes that they are all facing, um, even sort of from the, the financial and legal and communications aspects all kind of pulled together um, as they sort of frantically try to keep themselves afloat and keep their customers safe and secure. Yeah, I mean, 2020 has really been everything about crisis management. And, um, you know, with restaurants, you know, it's, this year is not just one bad service or dealing with high turnover or, or the regular problems that they deal with. It's just been this ongoing crisis for months and months now. Um, so how can restaurant owner operators and their managers kind of learn to cope and deal with dealing with a long-term crisis? Well, I'll speak to this again. Um, you know, I think that unfortunately for everyone, whether in the restaurant industry or otherwise, learning to cope with that um, constant stress um, is a challenge, um, but they should not feel alone. You know, obviously they can imagine a lot of other, other industries are as well. I think that, um, you know, like some of the, the things that restaurants need to do to manage themselves that become daily um, activities, I think uh, the more structured the approach, um, the easier it can become over time. If you have a regular sort of pre-opening time that you discuss those issues, and even if it's just sort of giving yourself a few moments to sit down and think them through, or if you meet with your team sort of in a lineup fashion every day, make that part of your agenda. Um, usually when we're dealing with crises, we recommend that folks deal with them on a daily basis, you know, at specific times to sort of compartmentalize it and make it a little easier and a little less stressful for them um, is sort of our first main tip. And I don't know um, if Megan has any others to contribute there. Yeah, I mean, I think restaurants really need to consider their reputation as their most um, valuable non-financial asset. And in a crisis like this, a lot of restaurants are looking at their bottom line and wondering how will COVID-19 affect 
my financial dollars today, but they're not thinking about their reputational value tomorrow necessarily, or they don't have the luxury of even being able to think about it. So it's really important that even in a sustained crisis that you stop for a minute and take the time to think about how you want to emerge from it, how you want to take this challenge and turn it into an opportunity, and then manage your business toward that. Do you think restaurant owner and operators are kind of suited to handle crises better than other businesses because, you know, everything is always so on the go and they're kind of used to dealing with this? Well, I think this does depend on which type of operation we are dealing with or helping. Um, You know, I think certainly large franchise organizations have different people assigned to different tasks. And so they're obviously going to be sort of suited to handle some of the business aspects differently than uh, an owner operator of one or two or three restaurants, for example. I think that um, one of the things about, say, managing your financial house, um, if that's in order, then you're able to respond um, easier to the crises that COVID presents. And so we do try to encourage people to work through some of those decisions about how many tables am I going to have, which relates to how much food am I going to order, which relates to how much staff am I going to need. And once those decisions are made, and, and admittedly those are have been changing over the time of, of the, the virus, um, if those are in place, then you can do things better in response, whether it be... Um, how you clean or how you protect customers or the amount of food that you serve on a menu today versus a year ago and then also then therefore respond and how you respond um, can be better if if that is all in order. I guess you give me a general broad definition of crisis communications and how it affects restaurants. So crisis communication is really um, just one facet of overall public relations and the, what makes it different from the general public relations that a restaurant might do to promote its location or a new menu offering is that um, it's typically conducted when there's some sort of emergency or threat of disruption, which creates stress. Um, but the actual you know, tactics and strategies are really not all that different from um, traditional public relations. It just sounds a little bit scarier when you throw the word crisis on it. Um, and It's really about making sure that in those stressful situations that your reputation is protected against all odds. So we know that trust is built on competence and ethics and restaurants do a really great job of making sure that they've got excellent food quality and service every day. So there's your competence, Um, but your ethics is how you communicate about that. How do you show your customers and your guests that you really are the best, that you're doing the right thing to keep them safe, um, or that you're better than your competitor. And Crisis Communications aims to answer those questions. So obviously, this is coming up, you know, so much this year in in how, you know, the restaurants are uh, communicating with their guests or potential guests, you know, particularly with uh, cleanliness, hygiene, all of those kind of issues. So what, I guess, what are some best practices regarding that about how they're operating now that they should make apparent to their guests and potential guests? 
Sure. So you asked earlier, too, about whether restaurant owner operators are more suited to handle crisis. And I think one of the ways that they are more suited than other businesses is that focus on hospitality and customer relationships. Most restaurant owners have really great relationships with their customers. They know who their regulars are. They know what their preferences are. And that's one of the biggest barriers um, to effective crisis communications is really understanding your stakeholders and what they want from you. So for restaurants, as you're considering how to develop a crisis communications plan, start there. Start with the information that you know and with the people that you know, and then build out. Um, we like to say there's three phases to any crisis, um, no matter the length or type, it's always plan, respond, and advocate. And I would wager that most restaurants right now feel like they're in a never-ending response phase with the COVID-19 crisis. And they're not wrong, but what they can do is take a step back um, to actually work toward a more, pro more proactive posture. So right now, as we're starting to see this kind of fall spike in cases, restaurants would really be wise to take a, a step back, put a pin in their response to date, and really think about planning. And by planning, we mean to really objectively assess the current and the future risks, and then create that vision for how they want to endure. Um, and they can do that often and in consideration, of course, with again, what they want those stakeholders to know and feel and do. And then how are they gonna manage and communicate to that end? One of the issues that they're dealing with right now is uh, the weather, and you know it's it's getting colder, and uh, people have been outdoor dining, uh, but you know in cer certain regions they're not going to continue doing that, and um, you know the is that a time for the restaurants who might not have that availability um, to start planning. Um, you know, should they be doing it now to kind of refocus on takeout and delivery for a few months um, or to kind of rework their whole restaurant and try to, to plan to get something that's a workable future? I think potentially either case, right? And it really depends on, like Dave mentioned, having that financial house in order to know what your options might be. For some restaurants, the answer could be to close for a season. And that may seem really drastic, but if they don't have, if it doesn't make financial sense to do the things you need to do to keep your patrons safe and to be able to keep your quality and service high at the same time, then it might be a short-sighted move to try to adapt and stay open when you really can't. Um, so that's something that you really want to consider as you're making those plans and why now would be a great time to really objectively look at your finances, the risks that you would face in staying open um, during the weather situation or however the, the situation is evolving in your area, and then make a decision from there. And that's when you bring in your communications plan to identify, okay, who are the people that I need to communicate about this action plan to? What do they think, feel, and believe about us right now? And what do I want them to think, feel, and believe about us in the future? And then create the plan to get yourself to that future point. So if an employee tests positive for COVID, which is the, you know, the nightmare scenario right now, mm -hmm. what are the first steps that a restaurateur should do? So first and foremost, don't panic. Um, the thing we've learned about COVID-19, particularly in the restaurant industry, it's, is that it's very different from some of the other illnesses like Hep A, for example, that many of us have plans and are used to dealing with. Um, 
And one of the reasons why it's so different is because there's so much we still don't know about it and our health departments are rightfully overwhelmed. So what restaurant owners really need to be aware of is that there is a real need for them to take the lead in responding when something like this happens. Um, they can and should look to all the available resources around them for support, but at the end of the day, an issue like this is a test of your individual leadership. So that all said, um, obviously your employees' health is paramount and employees are the most important stakeholder group in any organization. If you communicate well with them, then you know, research shows you'll have dozens of advocates, but if for any reason you feel, make employees feel less secure or as though you trust them or care about them, that's really when we see reputations on the line. So it's important to tell them what's going on while being mindful of confidentiality, of course, and how you're handling it. So we'd immediately recommend consulting with your local health department, your attorney and your communications team to determine really what are the boundaries in your area um, for managing when an employee has tested positive for COVID-19. And then from there, there's a number of factors that are going to influence the next steps. You actually may or may not need to disclose this information to your customers, for example, but just because the law says you don't have to do something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. So um, that's a decision that every individual restaurant will have to make based on the circumstances of the exposure, their um, requirements in their state or their local municipality. And if you do need to close, you need to explain why and be clear about it so that you're not letting your customers speculate that it's for any other reason, like you've suddenly gone bankrupt or or something else. Can you give some examples of some, I guess, case studies and crisis communications um, throughout the pandemic, maybe, um, so that others can kind of learn from their example? Absolutely. I think um, if someone isn't planning to write a book about restaurant crisis management in the COVID-19 era, then they probably should. Um, but one example that I've really loved following is Hawker's Asian Street Fair. Um, and they're one of the best stories I've seen of a business that's not only survived, but actually thrived amid the chaos. So earlier we talked about taking a step back from response and moving yourself into this proactive posture by creating a plan. And that's exactly what Hawkers did. Instead of panicking, their CEO separated their entire corporate team into these very specific task forces. And each was assigned to solve a specific problem based on their risk assessment. And this is 100% a crisis management best practice. On the communication side, what they did to help inform that is they took a break from their promotional outreach and began what we would call a listening campaign. So they were able to connect one-on-one -on -one with their guests on social media. They listened to the different concerns that they had about their restaurant, about other restaurants, and then they directly addressed them one-on-one -on -one and took those learnings back to the task forces. And as a result, they were able to implement all these new policies and strategies. And they're really one of the few restaurants that's been able to remain profitable throughout the crisis. Do you have any any other examples or? On the flip side, um, as we look to the coming months and the potential for more stimulus funding, restaurants will want to look carefully at the missteps that occurred during the rollout of the Paycheck Protection Program. There were a lot of um, customer complaints about that. A lot of restaurants were heavily covered and whether they did or did not take um, a loan through the PPP. 
And that's something that could come back around. So a good idea would be to take a look at that and decide how you would change how you communicated in that circumstance for the next round. So one of the the aspects that you can help uh, restaurants with is risk assessment. You even have uh, a worksheet that you have available on your website for them. Um, so can you go a little bit into um, what that is and what they need to know about it? And, um, you know, and why is it something that that they should look for that template and and fill it out and have it on hand. I can jump in on this one. Um, you know, risk assessment um, can be defined in a lot of different ways, very tightly or very broadly. I think that um, we like to provide checklists so that they, um, our clients and others, are able to just kind of get a hold of all the issues that they're facing and, and sort of have some mental clarity about the things that they should be concerned about. Um, you know, w- one of the examples that I was going to share is we had a restaurant come to us and and their initial reaction was about food illness. And um, we quickly learned that in COVID, they, it wasn't going to be the same crisis response you would have if someone had gotten sick at your restaurant because they had become ill by food. And so the risk assessment now is different than the risk assessment from before. And it is great to sort of say to yourself as an operator, um, I understand legal, I understand menu, but I don't understand financial. And so when you work through a sort of standard list of of risks that any organization faces, it's okay to say to yourself, okay, I think I've got a complete list and I'm not good at these three and I need help there. Uh, One of the great other examples in crisis communications that I'm sure you've seen as well is restaurants banding together, whether it be through the restaurant association of their state or something else, um, they're banding together to sort of help each other and then also communicate to the public about how they can continue to support these restaurants and what they're doing to be safe and and on and on in that regard. And so um, you're not alone in risk assessment. It's a great idea to compare those lists with other owner-operators, franchisors, um, turn to the the franchisee, you know, uh, work together. And um, so you have a whole bunch of templates available. Um, So can you go over a little bit about, you know, some of these resources um, and and say where where people can get them? We do. We have a free risk assessment template that you can download on our website, postingcommunications.com. And the risk assessment template is really meant to be used on an ongoing basis. So you're very literally going to write down every potential risk, COVID or not, that could impact your business. And it can be financial, it can be human, it can be operational, legal, et cetera. And you're going to rank them on that risk assessment template and then um, prioritize from there how you'll develop action plans to respond to each. And note that the reason why we update them regularly is because that ranking and that list is always evolving. So it's the best way to, you know, have a snapshot of where you stand and what risks you might face um, and be able to address them proactively and quickly before they turn into something gigantic. There's also a lot of really great resources um, from the government at ready.gov that include risk assessment templates and all sorts of other templates that restaurants can use for better emergency preparedness, which is a great stepping stone toward reputation management. Well, I was just going to add to that, you know, I've mentioned, for example, a restaurant association, the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association has 
great resources. Um, and what I would say is if you don't find them in your state um, with an association or even through the state government, go ahead and, and search around to the neighboring states or other states that might be, say, more progressive on these issues um, and, and you know, larger cities, for example, and those will help you find other checklists. Some bit of advice that I noticed that you had um, was about not stopping marketing, which I think a, a lot of restaurants are, you know, kind of uh, funneling their resources into certain areas. Um, but what is the why is marketing as a tool, particularly the crisis communication aspect of marketing, so important right now that they should be um, allocating resources to it? Well, I'll start, and I'm sure Megan will have some thoughts on this as well. But it, first of all, it does go back to the experience of the customer. And, you know, I think that what you want to ensure your customers is that they will be safe when they come have a dining experience with you. And so by continuing to market, including adding in those additional messages uh, of the activities that you're now doing, um, you're creating a safe space for diners to still continue to come and then even sort of expand what they thought they could enjoy at your restaurant and your facilities. And so, uh, you know, certainly you want to have a, a good message point development about all the safety and security. You want to build in how you're being creative to um, work with the local community. We had one restaurant that we worked with that had joined um, a mayor's commission uh, regarding, you know, this whole COVID-19 and how, was, how restaurants were going to handle it. And so they were able to message about the fact that they were part of that government um, effort to keep restaurants alive in the community and how people could continue to support them. And then, you know, marketing things like now, instead of, you know, our old uh, charcuterie boards of shared dining, we have these boxes or, you know, we have dining experiences in the street and we've continued to work with the city to keep those open for your safety. Uh, those are wonderful things that um, can keep the restaurant industry alive and thriving. Um, and I think the restaurants that have been doing some of that, like Megan had mentioned earlier, are finding ways to be successful um, and also market and keep everyone um, safe as well. You know, as you mentioned, you know, restaurants have felt that they've been in that respond phase uh, for many, many months now. Um, when do you think they're going to get to the advocate phase and what do you think that's going to encompass? Well, and I definitely think, um, you know, as Megan had mentioned earlier, you know, restaurants being decisive about seasonal closures and things like that is a, is a really good example of leading to um the creativity and really taking, you know, once we can help them get the crisis communications and the crisis response under control, then they can get back to those kinds of um, um, progressions forward, which is what we all really want for the restaurant industry. Uh, you know, and I, and I think you're looking at looking into the future about design and architecture and, you know, sort of permanently changed spaces and um, new experiences um, that they're we're going to have now in in dining and restaurants, um, and I think all of that is actually making people excited. And um, you know, I think there definitely are challenges ahead, like you said, with the cold weather, and we can use heaters, but only to a certain point, or um, things like that. But um, I think we're seeing hope now in in the creativity um, that is is really 
great and it is it is exciting to see finally again. And how much of a factor do you think things like innovation and technology are going to play um, in a restaurant recovery? Megan, I can start on this one as well. We have uh, one restaurant that we've helped that has been tied to the a university um, because of their uh, location and proximity, but they're also um, tied to the university's meal card systems. And that's an example of the technology that has really, really helped um, these restaurants. And I imagine across the country, um, arrangements like that, which are technology driven um, and delivery driven, uh, are really kind of exploding. And, uh, you know, I think we've got some issues to work through with um, the payment fee and fee schedules and things like that that restaurants are under. But I think um, technology is, you know, even as simple as technology as website and social media and, and learning how to be a crisis communicator across those channels is, is using those technologies in a new way. And, uh, you know, so I think those are a couple of great examples um, for the future. Yeah, and I think just with technology too, in the midst of a crisis, it's important to continue to address the underlying crisis, no matter what new innovation you're bringing to the table. So for example, um, I saw recently a restaurant that had implemented these really cool um, kiosks for ordering and payment, which you know added the to the hip factor and also obviously some safety there, probably some bottom line savings too, and not having to have employees um, man those areas. But um, at the same time, they also increase their prices because of supply and demand in the crisis, and they never address that. And so the conversation on social media was, well, they have all this money to invest in technology, but now I've got to pay an extra $3 for my favorite meal. What gives? And no one from the restaurant's answering that. No one's addressing, you know, the reasons why this innovation is really great and a benefit to customers. It just appears overnight. And without information, you really only get speculation. And so maybe unbeknownst to this particular restaurant, they're getting dragged on social media because people just don't understand why the innovation exists at this current time or how it's addressing their needs. Well, I, I think that was the case, um, you know, a, a while back where, you know, I'd go to trade shows, you've probably seen and you'd see all these really great, cool things. But you, you would see, you know, a restaurateur's head kind of go, yeah, it's really cool, but, you know, do I need it? Should I invest in it? Are my guests going to use it? You know, and, and and we just had an article last week and, um, and, and I've seen it in practice, you know, the QR codes, they came back and it's because people who knew, right? It's, it's, you know, necessity. Um, and as a diner, I go into a place and I use it. I, you know, I know how dirty my phone is and I'm comfortable and it makes me feel more comfortable, um, you know, being, being there and thinking that, you know, they're, they're making this step and taking this approach to protect me. And I'm more likely to go to that restaurant. Um, so I think it is those, those kind of things that, um, you know, as opposed to, yeah, the things where you're like, what is this? You know, you're just kind of throwing different things at people. It really has to be guest centric, I suppose, is the best way to say it. You know, if they're actually going to use it. Absolutely. Getting your employees to talk about it. I mean, it's one thing to just say our menus here on the QR code. It's another thing to say, um, you know, scan our digital menu. It's touchless for your safety. How important is training uh, while inside the crisis um, and 
you know, being transparent with your employees and your guests and kind of having that open communication door. It's absolutely absolutely essential. I think, um, you know, again, employees are your most important stakeholder group, no matter what organization you're in, restaurant or otherwise. All of your advocacy and promotion starts with them. And if your employees aren't bought in and know how to communicate the brand and what you're doing to your customers, then you've got this huge gap. Um, And so ensuring that your employees not only themselves feel safe and comfortable and able to bring their whole self to work um, is absolutely critical, but also ensuring that they can communicate that back to the customer so that the customer gets that energy from them, can trust um, the employees and know that they're going to deliver the safe, delicious quality that they've come to expect and desire. If you're not doing that, I mean, again, you're just leaving things on the table, no pun intended, for your customers to interpret on their own. And we all know the customer doesn't always know exactly how a restaurant operates or should operate. So if they see something that is a standard practice, but they don't understand it, they could go back and communicate to dozens of people outside and say, I didn't like this when I went there. It didn't make sense to me, like the kiosk. And I I can actually add um, to that as well. Um, the concept of internal communications, which is essentially what we're talking about in terms of the employee stakeholders, at least where it begins, uh, it's really important. I think a, a couple examples we've dealt with where employees were struggling with enforcement of masks, for example, and spacing um, in the restaurants and you know, just empowering those employees to be in charge of that and that you know it wasn't a breach of customer service or a break in the experience to to come around and sort of ask for that enforcement because most customers want that enforcement and so um, because they are on the front lines of sharing what restaurants are doing um, we've seen city governments provide basically scripts for their restaurants you know um, here in colorado it's very scripted for any place that you would ever go to on what they say before they even seat you and then again once you've gotten to the table Um, and then another example of of all of this communication and technology and then also what's ahead you know we're seeing restaurants um, use those QR codes for the surrounding restaurants or a brewery serving food of the next restaurant on each side of it. And the staff is actually explaining that, sharing about that partnership. And, and it's a real great, good feeling experience for the customer to be able to support not only one institution, but the neighboring um, businesses as well. And and the employees are really finding some enjoyment in, in sort of leading those experiences and conversations. Do you think that because, you know, restaurants are getting this master course in crisis communication this year, that as other crises come up in the future, be it fires or, uh, you know, food safety issues, um, do you think they'll be able, better able to handle it? We sort of say now everyone is a bit of a crisis communicator, right? Um, no matter um, what your position at, at a restaurant, and uh, yes, I think um, it's it's enabled staff to talk to management more. It's it's enabled management to talk to a franchisor more, uh, you know, about things that perhaps weren't getting discussed, and um, even things like 
teaching that solo restaurateur to not be afraid to go back to its landlord and say, we've got to renegotiate this lease. Otherwise, I won't be here, you know, and um, things like that. And, you know, the restaurant industry was probably one of the immediate leaders in reaching out to the community for help and support, uh, which I think is um Everybody wants to help each other, right, in, in this sort of national crisis. And and yes, I think keeping these experiences, I think we've seen leadership at restaurants improve at all levels. So what are your future predictions for, um, you know, in more in the long term um, as we go more toward a recovery type process uh, for restaurants? Um, are you... You mean you sound optimistic? Um, are you optimistic for the for the future? Absolutely. I mean, I you mean, can't can replicate the restaurant dining experience online the way you can so many other things. It's not like, you know, retail, which is obviously struggling due to with the rise of e-commerce during the COVID crisis. But restaurants will always be something that people want to go to. They have this really special part in our lives. And I think it's that kind of... Um, emotional tie that we all have to dining out that is really going to help restaurants prevail. So, you know, we're talking a lot about some like hard business issues, but at the end of the day, don't forget who you are and your values and your purpose. And remember to communicate those too, because that's the really special part that's going to keep people coming back um, no matter what you face. Yes, Megan said it before, but every crisis uh, to us is an opportunity. And while there will be a lot of pain all the way through in many instances you know we we do try to keep people focused on the future and and um you know what can come ahead um a little bit of hope can go a really long way in crisis communications but like she said be authentic you know uh, it's okay that your response is your response and is crafted in your own certain way um give yourself the time to work through those um you, you know, and, and go ahead and ask, just like anyone would on a strategic plan or whatnot, you know, it's okay to revisit and adjust and communicate those adjustments. And, you know, even, you know, ask for people what they would like to see and how your customers, you know, what would you like to see here? If we change this, would this work for you? Um, I think people are open to those dialogues with the restaurants that they patronize. And um, I think that together we can adjust the dining uh, experience to a place where we can all celebrate together again. Thank you both so much. That was amazing. 